Well, if you've got your Bible, our text for this series comes from Isaiah chapter 54, a prophetic declaration. And uh, I love this declaration. It says, Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth, break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now, now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, enlarge your house, or spread out. Uh, we've spread out in recent times. We've got a, a West service going. We've got an East service going. We've got a Hamilton service going. We've got an online community. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense, for you'll soon be bursting at the seams. We've created space, but I'm believing God's going to come and fill every space that we create. It says, for soon you'll be bursting at the scenes. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle ruined cities. Fear not, you'll no longer live in shame. Do not be afraid, for there is no more disgrace for you. Isn't that a good word? There is no more disgrace for you. For the things that haven't worked out and it's, oh man, I don't know if I can go out again. Yeah, you don't need to live in shame. You don't need to live in fear. I really say God is saying, go again. Come on, let's go big in Jesus' name. It says, you'll no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood, for your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's army is his name. He is your redeemer. How many are glad that God's their redeemer? Jesus is their redeemer. He's your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth, the God of all the earth. I like this passage because right at the start, it gives a little bit of a strange command. It's a little bit of a strange command to say to a barren person, to somebody who's unfruitful and without. It's a strange command to say, sing, but not just sing, but sing loud and sing joyfully. How many know that's the last thing you feel like doing when you've lost hope? Uh, that's the last thing you feel like doing when things haven't worked out as you thought they would. And it's like when that happens, you're disappointed. You know, what you want to do often is go home, shut the curtains, and watch sad movies. Like, oh, well, if you're going to sing, it's not singing a joyful song and maybe singing the blues. And the blues are not going to sing the blues this year in Jesus' name. But, but, but it's like, like it's the opposite of what you feel. Yeah, and, and really, when, when it comes to 2022, it's like, go big? Uh, come on, we're in a global pandemic. Shouldn't we just be, you know, just slowly emerging or, or huddling together? You know, shouldn't we be like the, the, the bear coming out of hibernation after winter? You know, wiping the sleepy dirt out of our eyes and, and you know, just gradually going into it? No, I feel like the Spirit of God is saying, Sing! I feel like the, the Spirit of God is saying, come on, don't retract, don't retreat, uh, don't be asleep. Come on, let's go big, go big. And to go big, get this, it means that you've got to have faith and confidence in the bigness of God. Uh, you've got to hold fast to what He's spoken. You, you've got to remain confident in Him because everything in your natural can be speaking against the whole thing of go big. We've got all these limitations around us right now. How can we go big? Well, we can spread out. Yeah, we can reach more people. We can see more groups established. 
And it's to, to remain confident in what he's spoken. You know, in the natural, a lot of people are, are, are worrying, they're, they're anxious. The best thing that you can do when you feel the temptation to be anxious is actually to worship. When your answers seem at a distance, when everything seems bleak and lifeless, I really believe worship and praise puts everything in focus. In fact, what worship does is worship and worship, we get a greater revelation of who Jesus is. How many know God's big? Today, we want to talk on the bigness of God. And when you understand the bigness of God, how huge, how massive God is, you can't have a small dream. You can't live confined. You can't live limited. You can't live hemmed in by life circumstances. And when you don't know what to do and you don't know where you're going and, and when everything's up in the air and the future's uncertain, the best thing you can do is lift your hand, raise your voice and sing to a God who sees all and who's above all. Because it's in that moment we get perspective. See, see, when you worship, you're saying, I'm not certain of what's going to happen this year. In fact, a lot of us, when it comes to 2022, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. When are we coming out of red? When the borders open? When's this all, you know, when's this all going to lift, lift? I don't know. I'm not certain of what's going to happen, but get this. When you worship, you're saying, I'm certain of who. I'm worshiping, and he's in control. And worship, just as in this prophetic declaration, you know, what Isaiah is saying is worship has the power to bring something new to birth. God wants to do something new in your life. This is 2022. It's not 2022. It's not a repeat. It's not a rehash. God wants to bring something new to birth in your life. And I believe that comes from worship. The question we need to ask ourselves is, is who and what can compare to God? Who and what can compare to God? You know, the, the whole church, this God deal is no small thing. It's not an add-on. It's not an addition to our lives. Uh, you know, God is everything. And I like what Isaiah says in back, uh, back in chapter 40. He says, to whom can compare to God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold, decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard, he goes on, do you not understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? He's speaking to a, a group of people who have lost their perspective. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain. You open the curtain and saw the, the storm out there. You know, God looks at the world. It's like he spreads the curtains. It goes and makes a tent from them. He judges the great people. The people you are my in the world, this is what God does. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root before he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chafe. It says, to whom will you compare to me? This is God speaking. And I believe he's saying that to us right now. To whom will you compare to me? Who is my equal, asked the Holy One. 
Look into the heavens who created all the stars. He's bringing them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name because of his great power, because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. How many know we serve a big God? Come on, a massive God. And here Israel had forgotten the size and the power of God, but not only that, they had forgotten the glory and the holiness of God. I really believe the problem in a lot of our lives, problems come not when we reject God. In a lot of people today, they're not rejecting God. Yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. A lot of people you know, don't reject God, but where we face problems in a lot of places is because we reduce God. We haven't rejected Him, but we've reduced Him. Maybe we've reduced Him to a sideshow. He's no longer the main event. He's a sideshow or an afterthought. Or maybe we relate to him not as a husband, as this prophetic word says, but he's like a friend with benefits. You know, when I have a need, I just relate to him. I, you know, I, I want the connectedness, but I don't want the, the, the intimacy. I want the physical connection, but I, I, I want to be emotional distant. See, see, how often, you know, even in our worship, do we live self-conscious rather than God-aware? See, 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 God awareness, when you have a God awareness, you're not conscious of yourself. And, and what I want to say today is, because uh, a lot of people don't understand this, that there is a war for your worship. There is a war for your worship. That's one of the greatest battles right now is, 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 is there's a war. Because the enemy understands how powerful worship is. Worship has the power to bring something new to birth. And worship is something that we're all involved in. In fact, we've all been created to worship. But what we're going to understand is worship is so much more than a couple of slow songs on a Sunday. Yeah, in fact, I challenge to say everybody worships. There's people who are not here today who are worshiping. There's people who are sitting on their couch at home, didn't sing the songs. That's still worshiping. People who have never set a foot in church worship. Worship actually takes place uh, in our everyday lives. And this is what we've got to understand. We're going to quickly go back into the Old Testament, into Exodus chapter 20, where, where God gives some commands. And, and I, I want you to take note of these commands. In uh, Exodus 20 verse 1, it says, God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Aren't you glad that God's brought us out? of slavery. We're a slave to sin, but Jesus has freed us. But he says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in any form or anything in earth above or, uh, or earth beneath or what is below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord. I am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Here in Exodus, God's saying, I am the one and only true living God. And he commands he should be worshiped alone. And then he defines what worship is. And he says, what you are forbidden to do is you're forbidden to make idols or idolize anything or create anything, or make an image. See, see, our worship, what we're going to understand, has to be governed by faith, not by what we see. 
That's why they are forbidden to make an image. It's not to be governed by images or imaginations. The worship of God is spiritual, not material. That's why Israel was forbidden from worshiping idols or making images of God. Since God is spiritual, get this, no material representation of Him can possibly resemble Him. How many have seen some bad impersonators out there? You know, bad Elvis impersonators, you know, some covers bands, and they do not a great job. You know, or, you know, being bald, it's amazing how I get compared to every other bald man. It's like, yes, we may have the same skull, but it's like, there's totally different facial features if you look closer. But you've just looked at the head, you know, this thing on the top, and then, oh man, you look just like that person. Come on, all the bald men agree with me right there. Yeah, it's like, like, have you ever been compared to somebody who doesn't look anything like you? You know, that happens in a lot of places. You know, imagine, imagine this. You know, you remember growing up, you drew pictures of your family, and often those pictures from kindergarten, place center, or whatever, would go on the fridge of the family, but those pictures didn't look anything like you. Just imagine if there was no such thing as photographs and videos, and that was the only recorded image of you. You passed away, and that was like, oh, that's what they looked like. You know, that's why God says, hey, I don't want any drawings, I don't want any images, because they can't possibly resemble me. And what do the Israelites do? They build a golden calf. They built a golden calf. The best thing they could come up with to, uh, as a thing to resemble God was a cow. How dumb is that? Two reasons I believe God forbidden. You know, this is, remember the law was given for deliverance, not domination. The first is, it's, there's, it's an impossibility to portray the glory of a God who's infinite in and, and, and a physical form. That image degrades God and damages man. The second reason is it keeps our soul focused and attached to what we can see. Again, what is worship? Worship is meant to be governed by faith. And, and, and if we do it according to what we see, it would be creating a God in the image of His creation. If it's what we could see, we'd be creating a God in the image of creation. But we know our God's all-knowing. He's unlimited. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's limitless. And he can't be limited to representations of him. To create an image of God is to make a small God. question I want to ask you this morning is, how big is your God? How big is your God? Because ultimately, how you perceive God will determine what you receive from God. You know how big your God is by the prayers you pray. You know how big your God is by the impossibility that you see before you. Dreaming up our own ideas of God, get this, is a form of idolatry. See, the way that we see God does not actually change or alter the existence of God. God is God by himself. You may see him as distant, uninterested, Boring kill job about rules and regulations. So, so guess what's going to happen? That's how you're going to relate to him. And you wonder why you have no life? And you wonder why you feel disconnected? Come on, we serve a big God, a loving God. Some people's 
form a view of God that's according to their own personal preference. It's like one woman once said, you know, I like to think of God as, as a loving God, not, not as a judge. I don't like that judge side. I just prefer to think of Him as a loving Father. And this is the pick and choose method, which actually can create an idol in our mind of a God that does not fully represent who He is. In fact, A.W. Tozer said this. He said this, Do not try and imagine God or you will have an imaginary God. You can safely say you've created a God in your own image when, when God hates all the people that you hate. When, when God has all the same opinions that you have. Uh, here's a, this. So what is an idol? An idol is anything that's more important to God, more important than God, should I say. It's anything that takes the focus off God and puts it on something else. It's anything that absorbs our imaginations and our attention. It's anything that we seek for answers in and life in other than God. Are you saying anything? Yeah, I'm saying anything. doesn't have to be a bad thing. Can be a good thing. In fact, idolatry is often when we take a good thing, good thing like sport, a good thing like like a house, a good thing like a career. Uh, you know, all things God doesn't mind us having is we take a good thing and we end up serving it and we make it our ultimate thing. See, see, when when people think of idols, they think of statues. I remember going to Hong Kong, seeing this big Buddhist, you know, statue, and many people think, "Oh, that's idolatry." But what we're gonna see is that idolatry is. Not just physical, it can be internal. Internal heart idolatry is universal. In fact, Ezekiel 14 verse 3 says, Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their heart. Could it be right now we're like these leaders that Ezekiel is talking about is that we have set up idols in our heart. And we're going, what idols? I don't see any idols. And God's saying, you know, your heart, what's in your heart? You've taken a good thing. And now you're serving that. That's your focus. That's where your affection goes to. God is no longer your chief joy. And that's become the ultimate thing. And, and your relationship with God is just now a sideshow rather than the main event. See, what idolatry is, is seeking security and meaning in something other than God. Idolatry is, as C.K. Chesterton said, it's, it's when you worship what, what you should use, and you use what you should worship. That's what idolatry is. It's sacrificing the meaning, uh, the, uh, sacrificing the meaningful for the menial or the eternal for the temporal. And sometimes we as humans struggle to be satisfied with God just as He is. Yeah, you know, if we want, it's like we want Him to fit our perspective. I want you to fit my world rather than change our perspective to fit him. I've talked to many people over the years, and they come to me and go, well, I believe in God, I believe in heaven, but I don't believe in hell. And you ask them why, and they go, well, I can't imagine God letting anyone go to hell. So in their mind, they've created a God with plenty of grace and plenty of mercy, but none of that justice stuff that the Bible talks about. You know, somehow I want a, a comfortable God that I, I can worship. He's like this big cuddly grandfather where we get to sit on his lap. And it's somebody who will just overlook all our wrongdoings. But we don't see that he, he's just. 
and He's fair. God, God is who He is. And I must worship who He is, not just who I want Him to be. I must worship Him truthfully. Now, we're to worship Him in spirit, in spirit, no physical image, but in truth. See, some of us right now, we've created substitutes for God, but it's not the real deal. It's like we've got sweetener instead of sugar. We've got tofu instead of meat. We've got margarine instead of butter. You know, it's like we've got those imitation pearls, but they're not the real pearls. Some of us are going, substitution is not a big deal, but it is when it comes to God. They're a huge deal. And we settle for imitation of God rather than the real thing. And we don't realize in doing so, we're actually harming ourselves. See, where we need to get an understanding of God, the only way that we can understand God is from His Word. And we need to get biblical truth that, that God is both a righteous judge and a loving Father. And, and here's the good news, is God has revealed Himself. How's He revealed Himself? He's revealed Himself through Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Just look, look at his life, look at his death, look at his resurrection. Look at how he interacted with people. You want to know God? Look at Jesus. Jesus gives us a demonstration of who God is. In fact, Martin Luther said anything that, anything that one imagines apart from Christ is idolatry. Jesus is perfect theology. See, when we worship, adore, and love Jesus for who he is and what he's done... We then, as then and there, we get the right idea of God. Just to finish with, if we could have the musician up. Because, again, who can compare to God? But let's hone that question in a little bit more and say, what competition does God have within your life? <laughs> who and what are His greatest competitors? Where is there a war? The war is found whatever commands your attention and your affection. See, we can make a God out of what we find most joy in. We can make a, a God even out of family. We can make a God out of fear and what we're anxious over. We can make a God out of our dreams and ambitions and relationships. We can make a, a God out of sports teams, a batch, a boat, fame, the gym. Don't know why anybody would do that, but, you know, we can make a God out of a lot of things. Anything that competes for your affection and your attention may be an idol. And guess what? That idol has hold over you. And the good news today is God wants you to be free. We need to unmask the idols of our heart. And you can know these by asking yourself, what dominates my heart, my thoughts, my emotions, my time? What compels me? What drives me? What gives me a sense of worth? What, what I get my identity in? Is my identity in God or is it in my performance? If I do well at work, if other people like me, I'm happy, but my mood changes. What's your identity in? If everything was taken away, what's the one thing that you can bear to live without? What's the one thing that you can do without? Are you looking for something or someone to provide what only God can? See, we really need to be careful that God doesn't become the object of what our need is. I want to say this morning, let God be God. Let God be the God of the Bible. 
Let, let God be the God revealed in Jesus Christ's Son. See, see, life has a disastrous end when we pursue happiness and fulfillment through idols instead of God. And it can, you know, a little way be illustrated just by the story of a skydive cameraman. He was filming a, a competition, an event, and, and the, the competitors jumped out of the plane. He jumped out of the plane. He, he got some shots. They were incredible shots, but then it was a live feed. Then the camera went black. And the announcer came over and said, sadly, the cameraman had died. So he was so fixated on, on getting the shots of all these guys that he jumped out of the plane without a parachute. And so many of us can be focused on many different things that we, we forget where life comes from. Come on, don't let God take a back seat in your life. So important that he becomes our chief joy. It's not about serving God grudgingly or reluctantly. I'll, I'll get this God thing out of the way so I can do whatever I want. No, it's putting him as the focus in the center of your life. He's a big God. He knows what you need more than you know. He, he knows your heart's desire. He's got a better plan for your life than you got for yourself. But it's as we come and put our trust in him. Come on, has anything become more important to me than God? What do you idolize? What and whom do you worship? Because God wants you to worship Him and Him alone.